It's Wednesday, October 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio all the way from Australia, from Motley Fool, Australia, Matt Joss. Good to see you. Good day. Glad to be here. Thanks Thank very much. Thank you for being here. Yeah, so I used to listen to this uh, podcast all the time when I was living in Denmark. This is where I got uh, most of my English news, I think. So, yeah, it's really cool to. You got most of your English news from yeah, this so. podcast? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, I appreciate the listening. Yeah. I appreciate anyone who listens to Market Foolery, but yeah. hopefully you've got at least one other source. Yeah, the BBC as well. So, okay. I mixed it up. So, some quality, <laughs> you know, journalism in there is on top. Um, let's let's there are a bunch of things I want to ask you about. Um, you work uh, in Australia with uh, Uncle Joe Mager yes. uh, on Motley Fool Pro, one of the services uh, in Fool Australia. What What is going on in the market right now in Australia? Yeah, so Australian market has for a long time been dominated by banks and mining. Uh, and what we're kind of seeing now is the mining boom kind of slowing down. Um, so the mining boom recently been really like powered by China. China had been doing amazingly well, needed to build a whole lot of buildings, uh, and needed Australian iron ore um, and, and coal to an extent to, to kind of build that and you know, fuel all that. Um, and that's kind of slowing down. So the iron ore prices dropped a lot. It was dropped from 120 down to like $80 a ton. Um, and that's that's already seen quite an effect that's starting to come into play. So the miners aren't doing so well, which is kind of depressing, um, getting people a bit concerned about the rest of the economy because it's such a big part of the economy. Um, yeah, so I guess that's what we're kind of seeing in the, in the broader sense. Um, yeah. What are the banks like in Australia? And, and I'm thinking primarily of, you know, in the US, you've got sort of the, the, the big Wall Street banks, um, smaller banks, little banks, as Tim Hansen mm-hmm. uh, likes to refer to them, the, the community banks. Uh, when Jim Gillies uh, crosses the Canadian border and, and joins us in <laughs> studio here, he talks about um, Canadian banks being um, not at all like the big Wall Street banks. Canadian yeah. banks are much more just sort of basic nuts and bolts. Is is that sort of how Australian? Yeah, banks so are? Australian banks are quite unique in the world in a sense, and just that this it's so dominant of a group. There's a big four, and that's effectively it. Um, there's a, a few other sort of building societies type things, but that's basically it. Whereas in America, you'd have you know. Uh, a long tail of hundreds or a couple of thousand banks, I think. Um, so in Australia, there's a big four that dominate. Um, they earn huge profits, and they're they're not really, I guess, um, into the proprietary trading quite as much, perhaps as some of the um, Wall Street banks. But they get their f- their hands into their fingers into a lot of pies, you could say. Uh, so they're involved in a whole lot of different industries, um, yeah, around funds management and stuff uh, that they can kind of earn extra. Yeah, extra income from as well. So very big. If someone was looking at Australia and thinking, "I want to dip my toe in the Australian stock waters," yeah, uh, is banking where they should look, or is there another industry that you'd recommend? Yeah, it wouldn't be one we'd recommend now. We haven't recommended a bank uh, in Australia yet, and the main reason is just that they're very expensive. Partly because they've dominated and gone so well for so long, but we think that um, it's kind of that case. Australia hasn't had a recession in twenty three years. Like the, there's a joke, you know, Justin Bieber <laughs> isn't as old as the last Australian recession. Um, so yeah, so there's we expect there's probably a lot of um, sort of risk built up in that, and so we kind of think that the it's not going to be such a good run going out from here. Um, so people have had a good experience with them, but probably not the place to look. So where we find some of the most interesting companies, uh, companies that uh, look more global. Um, so some software companies. There's a few uh, websites um, that have kind of followed similar models to 
in it in the states. So we'd have like seek.com, which which handles all jobs, like you might have Monster or something like that. Um, yeah, so those are the kind of the areas where you can see some really good opportunities. Like one company just dominates Australia market and also is kind of expanding internationally. So around that software and services kind of side. You mentioned China earlier. Um, mm. Given the proximity of uh, that Australia has to China, what? What is your view of China's economy? I think you and I were talking yesterday. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems like every American company under the sun that does any sort of international business, at one point or another, they're going to say the following words. We think China represents a great growth opportunity <laughs> yeah. for us. And for some of them, it actually does, and others, they're just sort of flailing. Yeah. So, China, I think the economy has really been driven in the last few years uh, by credit expansion and kind of going into that property construction and infrastructure investment, um, which is great kind of for the long term that you have uh, a lot of capacity being built. At least it's not been wasted in some sense. But there's a lot of signs that there's overcapacity now. So, I guess we've all seen like the ghost towns and whatever else. Um, and there's just, I think it's reaching a tipping point where it's just not sustainable to keep um, growing in that sense and, and through construction. Um, so they're trying to rebalance and go to more of a consumer led economy, but it's, yeah, we'd expect it'd probably be a bit of a rough ride to get there. Um, and either way, I guess, from an Australian perspective, most of the um, companies are geared towards just that boom construction phase. So even if they did have kind of a smooth transition, it probably wouldn't be the best uh, in the short run anyway. Um, yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it is worth going onto YouTube or just searching on Google. You know, as you said, Ghost Town, mm. because it's pretty amazing. I mean, in America, we have malls that have empty locations within the malls, that sort of thing. In China, they have. Yeah, office buildings. It's uh, incredible, and entire malls that are just one hundred percent empty. Yeah, it's a little creepy to look at, but but part of me thinks, well, wait a minute, didn't anyone do any checking before? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, so there's just a mix of incentives, right? So local government get a lot of their revenues just from selling land to developers, and so they just want to keep pushing up more development, right? Because they don't collect taxes in the same way. Um, yeah, and we've. I mean, I think the. Something like in 69 out of 70 Chinese cities, uh, property prices fell in the most recent quarter. Um, and there, yeah, there's just uh, a lot of oversupply. Some cities have like a 20% vacancy rate, um, which is massive. You know, wow. most you know economies would have three or four percent kind of thing. Um, yeah, so there, there's a sign that it's kind of reaching that point where hey, it's just. You know, it can only go on so long. Um, obviously, China can kind of order the banks if they want to just keep lending, which can kind of keep things going. But eventually, you're just lending money to pay back the interest on the money you borrowed, rather than to actually do something productive. So, yeah. Coca-Cola recently reported earnings. Mm-hmm. Um, it is maybe the quintessential American brand, or yeah. it's certainly on the short list. Uh, in North America, Coca-Cola has seen its Soda sales declining year over year. I think we're now in either year twelve or thirteen of that mm-hmm. happening. How is the Coca-Cola brand viewed in Australia? Yeah, very strong. Um, yeah, so I'd say it's a very dominant kind of home brand. A lot of people just love it as a brand. Um, we have it's, it's an interesting company as well. I think I mentioned this earlier that they had, uh, when we were talking before that they've um, done some innovation in Australia. It's that's come to America recently. So putting the names of people on onto bottles, which kind of uh, a lot of Americans kind of thought no one's actually going to fall for that. But um, <laughs> evidence evidence shows they uh, they tried it out in Australia, and yeah, people love to to love to see their name on the bottle of a of a Coke. Um, 
yeah, so I think it's a it's a very strong, durable brand. But yeah, I guess there's some stuff going on with kind of sodas, health perception. Um, and I think Coke in Australia and, and the US has kind of branched out into some other means to address that bottled water and fruit juices and so forth. But yeah, there's no, no question soda as a group is in decline. Are there any US businesses that are doing either surprisingly well mm. maybe not surprisingly is probably not the the right word i want to use there but are there are there us companies that are just crushing it in australia and are there others that are just at the other end of the spectrum like they're really trying to make a go of it, and nobody wants what they're selling. Yeah, so I think uh, Domino's has done really well in Australia recently, um, just kind of taking over the market and just yeah, cutting prices, doing things really efficiently. Um, they're competing against Pizza Hut, which is another big American brand, and they've kind of pushed them out of a lot of places. Um, so that's one that's um, done really well, and they've I think they've innovated really well as well. Um, so they launched a lot of social media campaigns. You can design a pizza um, and then sell it to your friends, and you get a Commission basically anytime one of your friends orders a pizza, they call it Pizza Mogul. So you can make like, you know, I don't know, hundreds of dollars maybe um, selling your Have friends. Have you done pizza. that? Have you either I haven't des- designed a pizza yet. No, have I you need bought to. one that one of your friends did? I haven't, no. Yeah, I have, to, I have to get into the business. I have to get into the Pizza Mogul business. I think I would. I kind of get annoyed that my friend would be making money off it. I was it, just going to so say, my like, gut <laughs> reaction to that is I would be slightly resentful of yeah, my friend. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, I, I'll, I'll pay Domino's because they're the ones making it. I don't want you to get a cut of this. Yeah, and anytime you're hanging out, he wants to order Domino's and order his <laughs> one, right? Like, you know, he's going to buy it. So. Um, but yeah, and so they, they've done really well. Um, brands, I mean, yeah, we've had some that I, I think Sizzler has has been struggling as a as a concept. I'm not sure how popular those are still in the states, but I think it's regional. I think yeah. depending on what region of the country you're in, yeah. it's, it's th- strength yeah. is relative. I think Australia um, is quite a similar culture to the US. Um, so I think in a lot of ways the brands work really well, um, perhaps more so than some other countries. So I used to live in Denmark, and uh, KFC was never, for instance, a very big thing there. Um, Kentucky Fried Chicken yeah. has that, yeah. Um, but it's it's massive in Australia and massive in New Zealand. So yeah, I think some some things just don't work as well. Uh, it just depends what the cultural traditions are. But Australia is quite a similar market to the US. So we've seen a lot of clothing brands come in recently, um, yeah, from the US and, and internationally. So I think that those are going to, yeah. Start doing really well, Under Armour and, and so forth. So, Halloween is on Friday. You were saying earlier, Halloween not nearly as big a deal in Australia. Yeah, it's, it's not. No, that's um, probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It's certainly a lot, uh, a lot cheaper to deal with. Um, yeah, so you'd have kids go around collecting. You might have a few parties sometimes, but it's not like uh, everyone dress up as adults. Uh, I, I love it here. I think it's going to be great. Uh, it's certainly <laughs> something that our dozens of listeners respond to as the emails continue to roll in. Radio at full dot com as we talk about overvalued and undervalued candies from Mark Nichols in Connecticut. Overvalued. Mounds or Almond Joy, really a personal preference. I don't like these. Yeah, that's it's all about the coconut with those two. If you don't <laughs> like coconut, you're not going to like those. Undervalued. Apparently, any candy that has an urban dictionary meaning, Sugar Daddy, Mary Jane, Smarties, the reason here, the reason these are undervalued is that they can last a long time, so there's more value for the money. Uh, from Ryan Bernier in Canada. Overvalued Reese's peanut butter cups. It's not even peanut butter, just some coagulated chemical mixture. <laughs> Undervalued. Are you ready for this? Pretzel M&Ms, savory and sweet. From Richard Morgan, uh, on behalf of himself and his wife Joni, no question in my mind, the best chocolate in the world comes from Belgium. Since no one has mentioned this, it is automatically undervalued. As for overvalued, my vote is for C's candy. 
Not to say that it's bad, but the Californians never shut up about it. That is one of those. Uh, I'm sure working with Joe Maker, I'm sure yeah. he's mentioned Seas Candy. Yeah, just he, bought, because, he bought me some back. Yeah. yeah, I don't think Joe goes more than a week without <laughs> mentioning Berkshire Hathaway. So, yeah. um, you can follow us on Twitter at Market Foolery is our handle. Uh, from Stacy Miller, overvalued goodie bags, undervalued people who give coins, <laughs> and from Brad Lacroix, overvalued. Kit Kats, undervalued green tea Kit Kats. That's true. We had someone, one of our listeners, uh, sent green tea Kit Kats yeah, from, like uh, I think, Japan. Surprisingly good. Okay. I say this as someone who does not ever drink green tea. So, right. and the color is a little off-putting <laughs> at first, but they they were surprisingly delicious. You live in Australia now. Mm-hmm. You have recently lived in Denmark, but you are originally from New Zealand. Yes. What is one thing anyone visiting New Zealand needs to do? It could be a place to go, mm. uh, something, uh, some sort of adventure to go on, sure. a, a type of food to consume or yeah. drink, something. Uh, it'd have to be the west coast of the South Island. It's incredible. So uh, when I'd been living in New Zealand, you know, I hadn't visited until I was maybe 20 years old and did a, a road trip. And before that, I was kind of like, New Zealand's beautiful. I didn't really get why people were so keen to to come down. But that that west coast is amazing. So it, like the whole landscape changes within a few hours' drive. So you'll be in like kind of native bush kind of stuff that you're driving through, and then it'll go into plains and then glaciers and stuff. Uh, and you can go and walk, you know, right up beside the glaciers and swim in like a you know fresh glacier-fed stream. Uh, if you're into skiing, there's all that stuff. Uh, and then there's Queenstown at kind of the end of the trail, which is like the adventure um, sort of yeah, epicenter of New Zealand. You go skydiving. So if the one thing, I guess, if you can't do the drive, would be a skydive over Queenstown, um, 15,000 feet. I'll tell you right now, I'm not doing it. You have that. five minutes. You're just floating, <laughs> checking everything out. That's really cool. You say floating. I think in my head I'm plummeting. Yeah, you don't notice it, though. Yeah, You're just kind of hanging out. It takes a lot longer to fall to the ground as well than you think, once you've opened that parachute. <laughs> You got about a minute of free fall, and then yeah. So that'd be my tip. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. The, yeah. the the drive you mentioned, the, the you know the dip in the in the glacier fed yeah. uh, stream. stream. Sure. That yeah. sounds nice. Skydiving, not so much. You can read more uh, from Matt Joss. Just go to fool.com.au. That's fool.com.au. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. By the way, we were talking about candy. Yeah. You brought Tim Tams. Absolutely. Uh, explain to me. First of all, they're delicious. So, yep. and thank you, thank you so much for bringing them. But what is it about Tim Tams? <laughs> I wish I could these, tell you, to be honest. These yeah, are like it. the, I don't know, <laughs> the Australian yeah cookie. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty big in Australia, but it seems that they're almost most popular with uh, people that have been in Australia and then move overseas. So when I went to buy them, I stocked up before coming to Full HQ because everyone everyone wanted to try the Tim Tams that they'd heard about. Um, and so I bought like eight or ten at the, at once. And the person at the supermarket was like, "Are you going to America?" <laughs> um, <laughs> so so yeah, but they're yeah very nice. Come in a lot of flavors, some chocolate. I think like the the key is to kind of melt them in a coffee, and then you eat really? them as they're half melted. Yeah. So we've bought a double chocolate and cherry caramel, which uh, yeah, I think that those are two very undervalued flavors. Have the uh, Tim Tam people experimented with green tea Tim Tams? I haven't seen a green tea Tim Tam myself. When was, yeah, yeah, they've got a lot going on out there. They had some uh, yeah, some patisserie designed. Uh, what was yeah. that word? Yeah, I think patisserie like chef. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, yeah. you're, you're welcome, Tim Tam makers. Green yeah. tea. Green tea, Tim Tams. Get on that. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.